Hi, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. Hi, guys. I'm here with Nina. I'm Katie. It's just the two of us today. I know. It's nice. I have so much room I for know. activities. Yes. <laughs> so many activities. Um, our little one is sick, so Tyler's, Tyler's sitting with her at home, so... We'll miss him, but I think we are going to have a good time. We I always mean, do. Yeah. We survive. This has been such a season for illness, man. It's been a good one. Like, this year's been hard. My children have been sick for six months. I think they're going to go for, like, a sickness bingo. Like, they're kind it's, of like, which of all the different illnesses can we get? Like, have they gotten bingo yet? Because I, I think they're close. They're, they we're, we're almost reaching bingo. Okay. And I'm just trying to... What Is a, there a what prize a at the end? practice in surrender? Because I have so much health anxiety. That, <laughs> yeah. like, every time they get sick, I'm just like, here, you get you get to practice overcoming this health anxiety so much it's a season of practice for me so much surrender and you're gonna sorry girl but you're on the way to being in the boat of sick kids and when this baby gets here i'm really worried for my husband's immune system (laughs) it's the things i love your your husband is like one of the most solid people i've ever met and he's ill all the time constantly like i love him to pieces i feel like him and ellie are like kind of same same yeah (laughs) yeah i'm worried for him when your baby comes we'll just be sneaking gummy vitamins like into his you know well i mean i do try to always yeah i (laughs) i love when he comes over i'm like do you want a vitamin um but i i was talking with you earlier this morning because i have this curiosity because i feel like the people around us like even tyler like and my kids are sick a lot, your husband. I'm like, is there something that's happening like deep inside of our psyche that's like the the world's re- relying on us to do some things and so like we're just not gonna get sick as much? I like knock on wood. Cause like we had norovirus in my house and I didn't get it. Yeah. I mean, really I'm knocking on wood a lot because I'm like, geez, how am I avoiding all of the, these illnesses? I, guess, I don't know. Someone's got to keep the household still going, I guess. I, I don't know. Anyway, just I'm the mind's a powerful thing. Yeah. And so I just have so much curiosity if like there's data around do women who are running homes and I, you know, Tyler is is a is a contributing partner. Uh, but I will say that I, I probably contribute a little bit more. And I'm like, are, are these women the ones who are not getting sick? I just have curiosity. I always attribute it to the XX chromosome versus the XY because isn't the Y like a, a partial chromosome? Like, isn't it like missing a piece? And that oh, we're or, going down anyway. The lane, that's I don't a different. Know, that's a different podcast. <laughs> anyway. We're here. You and I are here today. We're gonna we're gonna rock it. We have a wonderful guest. I've actually been on this person's podcast, and I loved her conversation so much that I asked if we could have her on our podcast. So she's here. Why don't we start by you reading her bio? Absolutely. And then we'll just we'll just jump right in. I have I want to start with the first question. I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about this bio. Actually, <laughs> I read all Let's the bios, and this one's fun. So. Anyway, today we have with us Tony Maranucci, who's a registered dietitian and owner of Tips with Tony, who ironically teaches people how not to diet. Her team of RDs provide online nutrition coaching to help women break free from all, the all or nothing mindset and encourage balance instead. Tony's mission is to end restrictive diet culture by providing simple tips to healthy living with incorporating foods you love. She recently gave a TEDx talk and wrote a number one bestselling book titled Once Upon a Diet, where she discusses the parallels between dieting, dating, and romantic relationships and how we treat them the same. Whoa. Welcome, Tony. Can you hear us? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. We are really excited to dive into this conversation. I'm going to jump right in. I want to know, how is dieting like dating? 
Okay. Well, a quick backstory. (laughs) Um, I grew up overweight and insecure, and I thought that losing weight would somehow make me worthy of love and acceptance. So I basically was on this journey of pursuit of weight loss from a really early age. Unfortunately, nine years old is really where it all started for me. I was getting messages. I was getting teased at school about my weight. I was getting messages at home that I needed to lose weight. I was literally being told things like if I didn't lose the weight, I would never get a boyfriend, which is kind of oh. something weird that you would say to a oh. nine-year-old. But anyways. Yeah, that's, that's well. <laughs> so anyways, so yeah. So I went on this pursuit of weight loss. I tried all of the, you know, the quick fixes, the fad diets, the extremes, the eating as little as possible, exercising as much as possible. Obviously, like it didn't, it wasn't that extreme at nine, but it was starting and then it only just got worse as I got older. Um, Anyways, long story short, skipping over like a whole lot, I went to school to become a registered dietitian. I now I help people, you know, find balance in their eating habits and I help them to not do the fad diets and, you know, really just work on balance and mindfulness and loving their body and, you know, treating it with care and all the things. So anyways, fast forward, I've been a dietitian for a few years now. I'm, you know, I've been on social media, like uh, blogging and all that. I had my podcast. And yet it's like, I felt like no matter how much I was sharing this message that, you know, you can love your body and still treat it with care. And it does, you don't have to go into the extremes. I was getting so frustrated because I was like watching all of these women, like before they would start working with us, they would jump from diet to diet, hoping each one was like, quote unquote, the one. And they basically were acting Mm. like Cinderella stepsisters trying to jam (laughs) their feet into something that like clearly wasn't a good fit. And that's when I like had my aha moment because at that time I had just gotten out of a serious relationship. And then here I was once again, I knew that person wasn't for me yet. I stayed with him for a year and a half. Why? Because I wanted to fit the mold of check done. I had a partner, right? I never once questioned the quality of that relationship. I just wanted to, you know, feel like I was loved and accepted and worthy and all of the things. And so I realized I was like, wait a minute, like, before you go on judging, first of all, Tony, like you were in that position 10, 15 years ago. So you know exactly how they're feeling. And then second, you still haven't figured it out when it comes to like love and relationships. And that's how I realized, wow, like so many people diet, like they date, they just jump from one to the other and they never really like question, you know, do I even like this? Is this working for me? Like, what about the quality of like, yeah, maybe they lost weight, but like, maybe they're also miserable in order to get there. Like there's just, I realized that there's so many parallels and that's how we diet. Like we date. And my TEDx talk that you mentioned ended up turning into a book because I was like, there's so much more here than I thought. That is crazy. Like, it's I can't so believe true, that though. like hadn't occurred to me because it's dang. so true though. Absolutely. Because there's so many parallels for how a lot of females are raised in our culture around where mm-hmm. their worth lies. Yes. And th- that that is directly linked to relationships, to food, to how we connect with others. It's like... Even the fact that you mentioned the Cinderella shoe, like that's a <laughs> message I've had since I was like, I don't know, just five. <laughs> like, yeah. put your foot in the shoe. You yeah. want Prince Charming, you know? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not just it's not just in our immediate families. It trickles out to our community, to our culture, to I mean it's it's everywhere that 
they're and this is the thing and this is what's hard about this topic and about dissecting these things is a lot of these beliefs are subconscious we're not like consciously like okay i know that this person isn't right for me or i know this diet is probably going to make me feel like shit um but i'm going to do it anyway it's like no you're doing it because you th- it's subconscious belief you're doing it because you think you're going to get something from it and so I think it's so important to have these conversations. And it's so funny, Tony, because we we bring guests on all the time who, who talk about this, but what I love about your perspective is you're looking at it through a different lens. And I think if we can continue to provide opportunities, well, what about, we're saying the same thing, right? But it's like through a completely different lens, maybe someone will go, oh, I've been trying to put the shoe on. I've been trying to make mm-hmm. it fit. And when I really examine it, it's not fitting. And it's this idea, we said this on one of our other episodes, um, around like like my Instagram life looks good, but how the hell do you feel? Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like <clears throat> let's like cut the crap, right? Like that is just, that is not, that is not, why do we think that that's gonna be the thing? Mm-hmm. So I mean this, this, this dieting and dating correlation are just, it's brilliant. I it's feel like brilliant. I like need some time to absorb. Yeah. <laughs> My mind feels kind of blown right now. It's brilliant. Because I've brilliant. made those choices in both avenues, like you said. Like I have definitely been like, I'm going to make the shoe fit. Like I'm just going to, this isn't feeling great, but we're just going to do it anyway. And that's why, I mean, and that's why at We Shape, we, when people come in for a workout and then I go, surprise, we're actually going to try to see if we can crack the door to curiosity so that you can develop a deeper connection with yourself that's why we're doing that because we know that the relationship with yourself is the most the most important thing that you can offer yourself and that is directly correlated to why you're exercising to why you're eating the food that you're eating and trying to diet to why you're picking that person to date to why it's all related and if I have Mm -hmm. to get you in for a workout and then we kind of switch and say oh actually we're going to teach you how to love yourself I mean that's fine (laughs) (laughs) But it's all to think that it's not related. It's like that idea of how you do something is how you do everything. Yep. And so, I mean, so what, like, do you, when when you're working with clients, do you use this analogy? I mean, are you like, please watch my TED talk, like, like evaluate this (laughs) analogy and see if this is true for you? Yeah. Well, it usually comes up, um, you know, and I think a lot of, there's a big, I think when people hear what my book is about, they, they can almost, you know, especially when I wrote it, I mean, it's only, it's been a few years, but when I wrote it, it was really for when I was in my twenties. Now I'm in my thirties. Right. And so coming out of it, even like people are like, oh, well, I'm in a marriage and I'm happy. Like, so that really isn't for me. I'm not dating, but it's not just like dating people. It's more like it, it could be in your relationship, like your quality of your relationship is where you can kind of take a deeper look of like with your quality of your nutrition. Um, and when I say quality of your nutrition, it doesn't mean everything has to be perfect. Like the quality of like, is it balanced? Do you like the foods that you're eating, right? The quality of your the relationship that you have enjoy. with food. Yeah. Yeah. The relationship you have with food, the relationship with have you, with you have with your body, like is there area for improvement? So often when working with clients, whether they're single and dating or in a committed relationship, married or, or uh, partnership or what have you, like it usually comes up because they'll very often they'll say things to us like, you know, my husband loves every ounce of me, but I can't even like it, to me to take my clothes off. It's like, I don't even want him to see me that way. I turn the, I keep the lights off, like stuff like that. And it's, you know, our job to really help them to see not only what their husband sees or what their partner sees, but to see within themselves like that they actually are lovely, lovely and, and wonderful and worthy and they don't need to 
change their body in these drastic ways in order to feel that, in order to see that. Um, so it, it comes up more than not for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's that idea we talk about here, which is like, if you're here to like get a number on a scale, we know for certain that's not going to provide the worth that you're hoping to get. Like if right. you can't feel that worth and that deep connection with self today in, in the body that you have, it doesn't really matter what the scale says. And so yeah. that's why we're always telling people recycle your scales because it actually just makes it worse. It's like taking you away and it's like taking you away from that connection with, with self. And if you're literally reliant on that number to make you happy or you're reliant on how many Instagram likes you have or you're reliant on people's compliments of how you look or if you look like the person in the magazine, it's like you are literally seeking outside of yourself Mm-hmm. To, to, to find worth and value. And those things are um, not predictable. Those things are ever-changing. I was I was on Shanti's podcast yesterday, and we were laughing because... Uh, I was just on his podcast, too. Isn't oh he my God. amazing? He's so great. He is literally the best human on yeah. the <laughs> He is so <laughs> great. But we were talking about this idea of, like... He's like, yeah, you know, I'm at the pool and like it's and he, he we were like talking about like, oh, it's like people want to compliment you or you see someone else. And I say, yeah, like what I do in those situations is someone does offer me a compliment for something. I say, thank you. And then I have an internal dialogue that goes, oh, your ego liked that compliment, not mm. as a way of judging myself, but as a way of seeing which part of myself really enjoyed that. But yeah. I said, how different does it hit Sean when I say you are such an incredible human and like I see your empathy and vulnerability in your community and you really offer people a lot to connect with. Like that is like such a different way to feel valued and it's still coming from the outside but those things that are allowing people to see those are starting from the inside. And I, and, I, and we were joking, I was like, plus if we're constantly chasing this external validation, whether it be that number or the I wanna look like this person on the magazine or whatever, Eventually, I'm sorry, we're going to we're all going to be 80 years old someday and we're just going to age out of that validation anyway. So it's like, let's start doing this work now. Let's save ourselves the midlife crisis is what we're talking about. And let's like let's like learn to connect with ourselves in this way now so that we're not reliant on that external validation to feel what I call fake fulfillment anyway. I mean, even if you feel good about it in the moment, that's not really going to make you feel great forever. It's just in that moment. I think what's so yeah. funny about that too is like I have a, a couple friends who are either on a motherhood journey or a postpartum journey right now and or they're pregnant. I happen to be pregnant right now. Like bodies are changing as we grow and age and all these different things happen, right? And like you want that external validation of like, am I still cute? Do I still whatever? Like I, I used to live in a body that looked different and, and change is inevitable. Our bodies are supposed to change. Like they're not supposed to stay how you were when you were 15. That just doesn't how it works. But like they'll get the validation from like you said, oh, their husband loves every ounce of them or whatever. I, I have a friend who her, her husband is is like I've never been more in love with you or more attracted to you now that we've had this baby and like she's like thanks but I know you don't mean that like we mm. it's so funny we seek external validation all the time we're trained really to want that and then even when we get like what we kind of wanted a lot of times we're like well they're just being nice <laughs> you know it's never yeah. enough it doesn't ever count yeah. but that yeah. external validation like to use that example that you said is because she's holding a narrative for right. what it should right. be yes I should look different then I can earn this compliment. And just the simple like pausing to understand that that is a construct. Somebody taught you that belief and because of that, that's why you are looking for it. Yes. Someone yeah. could have taught you the opposite belief and then you would be looking for that. Absolutely. We are not born hating ourselves. We are not born with body types being trends. Like 
these are not inherent human qualities. Yeah, it's a learned thing. These are all learned behaviors. These are constructs that we were told to believe. And so that's why even yesterday when I was pod- we were on his podcast, we were laughing because I was like, I hate to always come back to this, Sean, but like when you keep asking yourself why, like why am I doing this? Why? And then you get that answer and then why am I doing this? And you get that and you just keep going. It's gonna link back to something in your childhood. Mm. That's just yeah. the human experience. That we are we don't get to control the constructs that we are asked to like subscribe to this belief. Like we don't get that choice as a child. And and I know that it feels like really like oh your child and like we're going down this deep path but <laughs> but it's true. And it doesn't it, it, I feel like I wish people would talk about it more because no, nobody gets out of their childhood having to deconstruct some beliefs. Rather yeah. they had the best childhood or the worst childhood. It doesn't I mean it's a little bit irrelevant in the sense that like no one's really getting out of that with some belief that negatively impacts their life today. So I'm like, just keep asking why. Why do I need that validation? Why do I believe that? Why is this happening? And it likely will lead back to some experience earlier on in your life that allowed you to think that that was the way. But knowing that that was not a belief that is necessarily true, it's just a belief that a lot of people subscribe to, I think can help us sort of unclick from that narrative a little bit. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely empowering to even have that knowledge and knowing that I, one thing I say is if, if it was, if you were taught, you can, it can be untaught. Like, so mm, you can unlearn that narrative. You can, you have to challenge it consistently and constantly, but you can totally, you know, unlearn. If you learned it, you can unlearn it. And I find that to be very empowering when people hear that and understand that. I love that. I want to talk, there was another question we had written down before this episode and I want to ask this question because I get confused by this a lot and so I'm going to switch gears here a little bit but I I want to check in about we had written down this question that says what is the difference between disordered eating and eating disorders can you help paint some light to that for us Tony yeah so um an eating disorder, there's many different types of eating disorders, and they have a very specific diagnostic criteria that fall in the DSM-5. So as a registered dietitian, I can't um, diagnose someone with an eating disorder, but I can help treat with the process. Um, the, but they're usually diagnosed by a mental health professional, like a therapist, and then they're because it's actually a mental health disorder. Mm. Um, so it, eating disorders usually are symptoms or byproducts of things like trauma. Not always. It could just be the world that we live in and, and all that. But there's usually some sort of OCD, anxiety, depression, trauma that usually under is underneath it. Um, and have it they is a found a gen- yeah? Have they found a genetic component? That's actually a great question. And I, I don't believe so. I mean, I don't, I guess the question is like mental health is genetic certain parts. So I don't know if eating disorder specifically, because I also think it's environmental. So I think it's like, kind of like, like genetics, it's kind of like depending on your environment is something expressed or not. Right. Switched on or switched off. So yes. So potentially. Yeah. Um, But all that to say, um, eating disorders, like they have a very specific criteria. And so what what I find is not everybody fits in those very specific criterias, but they usually have like one, two or three of them and then something else doesn't quite fit. So that's what I would consider disordered eating. So for example, someone might be completely preoccupied about food. They might feel guilt or shame after eating. They might feel that they need to earn their food through excessive exercise or skipping meals. They might cut out whole food groups. Um, they might you know, keep a very rigid meal plan or program out of the fear of that if they don't, they're gonna spiral out of control. These are 
disordered eating tendencies that some people with eating disorders also have, but they might also, with the, the thing that I find unfortunately really challenging in the eating disorder community or in the mental health field is that they would normally also need to have a weight criteria. So for example, someone with anorexia nervosa, they might you know, eat a very little number of calories, they fall into a specific criteria, but then they also have, have to have a BMI of under like 18, for example. It, as a registered dietitian, and even I think where it's getting better in the mental health field, we're starting to notice like weight doesn't actually matter. Wow. <laughs> weight can, is not, yeah. you can't, you can't just because someone, you know, isn't in a low, an underweight uh, category doesn't mean they're not doing those things like skipping meals and not eating and their hair is falling out because they're not getting adequate nutrition. Like they can still have certain symptoms, but not have all of those categories. So the reason why I like to bring attention and awareness to this is because diet culture mimics disordered eating a lot of the time. Like, yeah, I all just of those things you said like, sounded normal to me. Like, oh yeah, coming out of food group, like, okay, yeah. like that's normal. People do it all the time. Well, and that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Like that we live in a society and a culture that basically like praises disordered eating. Like when I, what, how many people do you know, especially women, where they say that they have a banana for breakfast, a salad for lunch, and maybe like some chicken and, and vegetables for dinner. And that to them think that that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and then they wonder why they're struggling with overeating at night or on the weekends because a banana is not breakfast. Right. Or they get, or they're excited that they, you know, they, or they just have coffee for breakfast. Coffee is not breakfast. Right. Yeah. That is something that's been taught because we have told the narrative that we should eat a little as little as possible and exercise as much as possible if we wanted to lose weight because somehow losing weight makes us feel better but then we actually add another layer on that we go well we're intermittent fasting so we're healthy yeah now it's a health activity yeah (laughs) yes and so then it's like even more disguised right it's like yeah it's like not just that this disordered eating is there but now we're gonna throw health terms on top of it which is gonna like just do a bunch of just you know bypassing over the fact that what's really going on so it's like even trickier Absolutely. And the thing that I I talk about in my book is because I was in an overweight body and there was a period in my life where I was exercising excessively and only eating vegetables, literally, Hmm. I was being praised for it right? because I was looked at like, oh my God, good for you. Wow. I just, I I was athletic, even though I was always in a bigger body, I was athletic. So I played varsity basketball, volleyball, all the things. So those practices are grueling. They're three hour practices, they're tryouts, all that. I would come home and exercise more. And I would tell my mom, I want to get on, you know, I want to make sure I get on the team, like during tryouts, like just only, I just want vegetables and water. That's it. And I was praised for that. Like you're so hardworking. Look at good for you. Like, wow, look at your determination. That is not healthy. That is disordered eating. And you can even argue that it was probably because then I would binge on the weekends and then I would like feel guilt and shame and then the cycle would continue. That's how everybody's living all of the time, unfortunately. That's the normal. And that's not normal. The starting over on Monday, starting over next week, starting over next month, starting over next year. Your life is ongoing. Right. And we have to stop with this start and stop narrative, the all or nothing mentality. It's literally destroying your relationship with food and it's taking away from your ability to enjoy life. Hey there, if you're enjoying the We Shape podcast and you've heard us talk about We Shape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is We Shape? 
Well, at WeShape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to weshape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. So one question that I'm all, which Yes, everything. Yes to everything you're we saying. We need a little applause button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For our podcast, like, oh my god, let's we need get a one, and we'll put it here. <laughs> button, guys. We guys, need a button. we need a button. We're gonna talk about that after. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> Emergency meeting. Yeah. Um, but one of the curiosities that I have, because the 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 type of relationship I used to have with food was the one that was disguised in wellness, yes. which was disordered. That was not that was not working which for also, me. So I will say really quick, uh, orthorexia is not a diagnosable eating disorder, but it, it has a, it's, it has a, like its own category. So it's considered disordered eating, but it's the obsession with healthy eating Yes, that I think a lot of people nowadays fall into that criteria. Absolutely. And, and like, they're praised for it. Like I remember being like, oh my God, the self-control I could, I just wish I could be like that. Yeah. You have so much you know, willpower. I was, yeah. I was obsessive. Like know this, yeah. know that, only this, yeah. only that. Then when yeah. I would eat something, I'd be like, oh no, I hope I don't get like this thing. Or it's like, it, it was yeah. insane. And one of the first things I noticed when I stopped doing that was how much more room I had in my mind for other yes. thoughts and other things. Wow, how crazy. Um, so and so crazy. that was like a huge <laughs> win. Um, I get yeah. to think about something else. Uh, but one of the things where I do get like confused and I'd love just your opinion on this, right? So I don't wanna throw the baby out with the bathwater and just eat donuts all day. Like my body mm -hmm. does require vitamins and minerals and nutrition, right? But how do we do that yeah. in a way, like, how, like for instance, I, I would love to talk about this particular example. So my daughter has some health stuff. She's, she's recovered from Lyme disease. She um, had a bunch of toxic mold exposure in a house we're in and, and we're having to deal with that right now. And so it's hard because I, I want her just to do whatever. But I, I also notice that her body doesn't react like she'll have stomach aches or different things that come up for her. And I'm like, oh, I just I don't want to control what you're eating and I don't want to comment on the food. But I also want to have figure out a way to create a relationship where we understand cause and effect because sometimes yeah. like people do have a harder time like maybe eating gluten or oh if I eat too much dairy my stomach hurts so it's like how do we have the lens of like making those connections without it being like disordered eating disguised as wellness yeah oh my god such a great question I'm going to answer in one sentence and then I'll elaborate because I never okay. know how to just answer quickly <laughs> So the moment that I decided to stop focusing on how food made me look and instead focus on how food made me feel, that's when I found balance in my eating habits. Mm. So I say that to say there are certain foods that you might choose that don't choose you back and yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make you feel very good. So it's kind of like a partner in a relationship, right? Like you don't want, I used to do this. I used to date people that clearly were not interested. I tried to convince myself that they were, they were completely rejecting me. And I would just like put myself out there, put myself out there, put myself out there. And they just didn't want me. You deserve better. 
you deserve someone who wants you back. So the foods that you eat, you want to make sure that they are making you feel great. Um, dealing with children, it's harder, right? Because they want, it's so sad when a kid has like a nut allergy or, or whatever it is. And like everybody at school is like eating all the stuff and they don't have their, you know, they feel left out. So like, that is a whole other conversation, but I will say, I try. Yeah, definitely. We don't want to make comment on children's foods or their bodies. And I know you definitely don't make comments on her body. I know you're, you, you don't do that, but point being and for the listeners, maybe so like try your absolute hardest to refrain from that and really speak to like their character and who they are. But yeah. And then just remind her of that. Just, you know, just say, Hey, you know, remember the last time we had this and you had a bellyache after like, do you want to try it again? Or do you want to, maybe we could try like this instead, always give an option, let them come to the conclusion. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with a picky eater or even just actually raising healthy eaters in general. You want to provide options, not too many options, not 10 options, not one option, like one or two, like, and often what you can do is like, no, you don't want to do cookies or uh, fruit because they're going to go with the cookies, right? You can say, do you want a chocolate chip cookie or do you want an Oreo? If you're offering cookies or if you're offering and you want fruit, it's like, do you want an apple or do you want a banana? Like let them choose, but make the choice be kind of something. Cause like they don't know and they are learning and you do know better than them in that way. So you want to try to guide them gently, but not tell them exactly what to do unless it's going to, unless they're allergic, right? That's very different than having like a sensitivity. Um, and you just have to explain it that like that, like, you know, I know you really want this un unfortunately, or so hard to, to, everyone's child is different. So I don't want to give out I too know, much cause advice. My daughter's like, yeah. oh, it didn't hurt me. And I'm like, but you were complaining. Of yeah. Yeah. So I was, the forgetter is real good. Even the other day, I just told her like, oh, you know, I was noticing that, um, because I notice for her in particular, if she eats like a lot of like, uh, like if something has like red dye in it, or if it's like, um, like, like highly processed, or like she mm -hmm. will say like, she was even complaining last few days that her stomach was hurting. And I'm just like, okay, well, sometimes for mama, when I have a lot of bread, and I don't have other things, and I'm just eating bread, my stomach does kind of feel like off. And so I just right. I just pay attention to that. And maybe you could check in with yourself about that. It's, and so just it's letting so it go. hard, because like, I am someone who's lactose intolerant. And like, I think it was like 10 years of torturing myself before I was like, wow, this really makes me feel bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and then when you get to that point, you you usually say like this it's just it's not even worth it. Yeah. It took like, a lot of suffering to get it. there. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot. It's complicated. And I know with children it is complicated. It's like learn relearning how to have some of these dialogues and then me also processing some of the guilt around how I was really particular with food and the foods that we had in our house and what relationship she you know luckily she, once she started getting a little older and communicating about her opinion about my beliefs around food i was able to have a wake-up call and say whoa i have to i have to reevaluate my belief system so mm -hmm. i feel grateful that i was able to do that but i also always have concern that like the first majority of her life i was like really overly conscious of of like this food is healthy and this is not, and I didn't realize the privilege in that and all the things, and yeah. and um, now I have better understanding, so I'm trying better, but it adds that extra layer of complication when she is dealing with health things, and so that's why I'm also trying to like figure out how to navigate, you know, when your body is telling you something or when you're in the middle of, you know, dealing with a health issue, how do we listen to that need and not get down a path of restricted, like cutting out categories or restricted eating. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm trying to find that, trying to find that groove. It, it can be, I think, challenging. 
Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Like kids are a whole other ball game. But what I what I often will tell even like clients that I work with is when you like how you healed your relationship with food and your relationship with your body and you did it, that is actually what she's seeing. And that's the most impactful thing that you can do. That mm. is the best thing you you could ask like, what can you say? And there's things you can say or not say, but what she's seeing and watching every day, that is making the biggest transformation in, in her. So just trust in that. Um, and for the listeners who are really wondering, like, you know, how do I have a balanced relationship with food, a healthy relationship with food, but then also like not go crazy with the things that I know, you know, don't make me feel very good. And the, really the answer is, is just, you know, really understand like when, when, when you hear or see dietitians or influencers on social media saying things like there are no good and bad foods that often like a lot of people are like what do you mean this there are like blah 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 and like we're not saying that broccoli is less nutritious than a cookie like we're not idiots we actually have a lot of schooling behind us <laughs> to tell us <laughs> that we know that the nutrition quality of broccoli is much more nutrient dense than a cookie however when we say there's no good or bad foods we mean that morally you are not superior mm, because mm. you had your broccoli today and you're not inferior if you had a cookie today like your moral it's compass does not side. change yeah based on whether you had you know vegetables you're not now when you can really understand that and you that's a narrative you got to practice over and over again because we were taught it we have to unlearn it but if you can consistently change that narrative and instead focus on you know what i noticed that when i have a balanced breakfast i'm more focused at work or i'm more i have more energy for my workout um, or i'm not starving by the time i get home from a long day or whatever it is so you know what i'm going to practice on having a balanced breakfast i also notice that when i stay hydrated with water um I let, i'm less likely to have a headache I'm less tired. Um, I just feel better. I have more, more regular bowel movements. So I'm going to make sure I focus on drinking more water. And when you focus on, and there's so many different like components of it, not just food, but there's food, there's hydration, there's stress management, there's exercise, there's sleep. These are all like the foundational things of a healthy lifestyle. When you really want, like I said before, if you focus on how you want to feel, well, then you're going to be more inclined to make those more nutrient dense choices and that balance. But then when the time comes now that you're not only are you eating like wholesome balanced meals now physically, you're going to feel more satisfied. So those cravings are physical cravings are going to happen a lot less. And then when you have those psychological cravings, you're going to understand that it is that that it is mm. truly psychological and emotional. And it's not physical because what happens very often when we work with clients, if you can think of a Venn diagram, um, if I were to draw a Venn diagram, we a lot of us have our physical hunger, which is could be like skipping meals, missing nutrients, not eating enough, or you know, overtraining or whatever it is. And then psychological hunger is like, you know, not taking time for yourself, not setting boundaries, not saying no, um, you know, overworking, overextending yourself, right? Emotionally, we're like exhausted, especially women, right? So we have our physical hunger and we have our psychological hunger. And if you can picture a Venn diagram, 99% of the women that we work with are falling into the middle, which is that danger zone. That's that overlap. So if you could heal your relationship with food and actually start focusing on just balanced meals consistently and, you know, the fundamental thing things like hydrating with water and all those things. Now, when you have a craving, you're going to understand that it actually is very much emotional. So the answer is not in the food. The answer is delegation. The answer is stress management. The answer is communication. The answer is something so much bigger, bigger than food. And that is where this healing starts. So mm. 
for those who are, you know, wondering how am I going to get there and how am I going to do that, start with at least challenging the narrative about like this food is bad for me or good for me or all that. And instead, look at it of, you know, how it's going to make you feel and then slowly start to work in on, you know, I can't pour from an empty cup. So where do I need to delegate? Who do I have to ask for for help? Like, how do how can I create some space and time where I can be alone with my thoughts and my feelings mm. so that I'm not like feeling completely out of control at the end of the day or the end of the week? I've never heard psychological hunger described that way. And it's like really, really eye opening. Thank you for that. I, You're I mean, and I, it made me think, too, about the polarization. Like once I once I and I, I don't know if this has happened for you because Nina and I have been on this journey actually at kind of at the same time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we used to diet together and now we're learning more food freedom. And um, I would be like, oh, cool. Like, I'm going to take the kids for donuts because I'm not, like, worried about that shit anymore. And then I would be like, oh, but, like, you could have protein, too. Like, you don't have to, like, pick one or the other. Like, you don't mm-hmm. just, like, okay, now I have food freedom and so I don't care about the foods that I'm putting in my body. So I, I've been reminding myself, oh, yeah, go have whatever you want. But, like, your body really likes protein and you feel so much better when you have some protein in the day. So just have both. They don't cancel each other out. They don't like, cancel each I've other out. before because, again, you mentioned earlier all or nothing. Like, I think we are so prone in this culture or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just everybody's like this. But um, that, like, if I, you know, do this, then I'm killing it. And if I don't do this, I've completely failed. And it's like, no, like if you have a salad at lunch with fried chicken in it, it's still like, you still had lettuce. Like it's still got nutrients and minerals in it. There's still protein in the chicken, even if it's like fried in oil, whatever. Like those are just parts of foods and like, it's okay to eat them. A thousand percent. You need that every once in a while, we need that, that, that psychological satisfaction, which, so what I usually say when when you're building a meal, think about it, you want a carbohydrate, a protein, a fat, and then a fruit or vegetable. And then also flavor or, you know, fun. Enjoyment. Like, yeah. <laughs> enjoyment, right? And when you can practice that and you have that most of the time, you're going to be more satisfied. And that's where, you know, when I was deep in my disordered eating, and I was where I would probably call it like a touch of orthorexia. I was so fixated on on eating healthy food. At one point in my life, I was a gluten free vegan. God help me. There's what really I, what is left? I you, have, you yeah. just drinking water. Ca- yeah, I'll tell you, carrots and hummus. Yeah. is what is left. And there would be times like I would binge on an entire bag of carrots and an entire tub of hummus because it was like I was full. Like I ate so many vegetables that day. I ate so many beans that day. I ate so so like physically I was full, but and but like and okay, yes, there was definitely nutrients missing, but we're not even going to go there. But like physically very full, psychologically not satisfied right. because mm. I just wanted chips or I just wanted whatever it was that I was craving at the time. I wasn't allowing myself to have it. And if I would have just had, you know, maybe some carrots and hummus and some chips, I probably would have been satisfied with like this much of you guys. I don't know if everybody can see my hands, but like a circle much or whatever, or two handfuls or whatever. But instead I was just, I could not stop. Yeah. And so going back to your point before with like the donuts and pairing it the protein, blah, blah, blah. Very often, what I, I I just taught about this recently on um I just like retaught it I teach it a lot but on my Instagram um you can go back and watch a video on it it's like how to satisfy a craving without a binge and I'll give you guys like a four step series with it which is basically the first thing is pause so I created this acronym a few years ago pause stands for P pay attention A assess how you feel 
you understand why you feel that way, ask, set up a plan, and then E, execute that plan. So whenever you're feeling the urge to binge or to have a, you, you know, you want, oh, I want that ice cream or whatever it is that you're thinking, take a minute, pause. You might still want it or you might not, but take a minute. So pause, pay attention, assess how you feel, understand why you feel that way, set up a plan and execute that plan. Now, when you're setting up the plan, the plan could be, first you need to ask yourself, what am I in the mood for? Do I want something hot or cold? Do I want something crunchy or smooth? Do I want something um, solid or liquid? Do I want to eat it with a spoon or do I want to um, eat it with a fork or do I want to bite into it? Do, like what type of experience are you looking for? And I know this seems like a lot, but if you get good at practicing this, you can pretty soon you're gonna be like, I want salty sweet. Okay, cool. What are my options? Your brain said you wanted ice cream. Do you really, do you want the ice cream? Cool. Or did you, you know, when you realize you're like salty sweet, I could also probably have, I don't know, apple with peanut butter. Is that satisfying? I don't know. You have to know your, you have to practice this. It's not black or white. And that's what people so badly just want the answer. Right. But sometimes that answer for you is going to be like, um, for example, let's give you the ice cream example. Sometimes that answer might be you'll have like a halo top or one of those like kind of like lower calorie, higher protein ice creams or something. But then sometimes if you choose that, maybe you need 10 of them before you feel satisfied. So you're like, you know what? No, I want the real deal. Like I'm good with the real deal and I'm going to sit with it and I'm going to eat it mindfully. Um, but often with those cravings they you do usually um, most of the time, if as you work on healing your relationship with food, you're going to actually find that the you know apple with peanut butter or the dark chocolate covered almonds or the little bit of dark chocolate or the chocolate covered strawberries i like chocolate as you can tell <laughs> there's candles. a theme here <laughs> like they're like those are those are equally as satisfying if you were to have the real deal but then there's every once in a while you're going to want the real deal and that's also okay too like right. and everyone's different and i think it's important for people to understand that that like they both can fit. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And actually the whole idea of like snack pairings or, you know, um, having like a high protein donut that you made from, or protein pancakes or whatever it is. Like if you feel more, you're going to physiologically, you are going to feel more satisfied if you do that. So that's fine. But it also doesn't have to be that way every single time. Like it's okay to just have a regular pancake. Like it's okay to have regular pasta. It's okay to have regular cookies, not the ones that are whole grain, high fiber, high protein, blah, blah, blah. It's okay sometimes, as long as your body agrees with it and you can psychologically actually be okay with having, you know, two of them with, then cool. Or three, I'm not, I want to give a number, but point being is like, you can, you, the more you work on building that trust within yourself, the easier it will get for you to be able to actually, I know people think this is, sounds wild, but there are people that have one cookie and are satisfied. The self-trust thing is something we come back the, to. Uh, all the time. Yeah, you it's can wild. do it. It takes time to cultivate it because we've been taught to like not trust our bodies for so long. But well, I mean, when I first started just like saying, OK, whatever, just like have the damn ice cream. There is a process where you're like, it's oh, almost scary. Yeah. And then you just kind of go, OK, well, I understand this is how it's happening now. But then now over time, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to enjoy this because sometimes you do just choose the ice cream. Yeah. And um, and I think, you know, whenever we've talked with intuitive eating coaches, it's it's learning how to find that balance. It's learning how to find what works for you. It's not deferring to what someone is telling you is right for you. It's really you looking within. But then yeah. I think the most important thing that you said was just, you know, what's really important is regardless of what that decision is, the psychological and emotional 
abuse that you put on yourself is is really the most important thing, right? So learning how to cultivate better self-talk around the decisions that you have, regardless of you made the decision that was right in the moment or not. Oops, yeah, I did have five cookies and my stomach really hurts and I feel like my blood sugar is crashing and I don't feel great. And I'm also not going to beat myself up over it. I think that is the, the way to continue to move towards this uh, relationship of food freedom and healing within. A lot of it is just that voice that talks to us when we make certain food and selections. And it is a practice, like you said. It you is have a to practice. practice it. And you get better at it's it over practice. time. Yeah. It's a practice and it's also you have to practice your response because we can't I think a lot of the biggest misconception even when you get to food freedom is you still might have those thoughts like you still yeah. might immediately be like oh I probably shouldn't have done that and then yeah. you realize wait a minute why it's like, like dating <laughs> you're like should I call my ex yeah. I don't know yeah. and yeah. I stole that from someone else who said I think it was Dr. Lisa Folden who said yeah it that. was you want to pick up that phone sometimes you want to be like hey what are you doing yeah <laughs> but yeah. you shouldn't do but it you don't act on it right yeah exactly. you can think about it it's okay to yeah. think about it well it's the impulsivity that gets us in trouble very often in a lot of reasons and a lot of ways. So, and I'm, I'm a big impulsive person when it comes to spending, oh, like so many reasons, like I'm very impulsive, um, which can be a blessing and then it could also be a curse. So one of the things that's just a good practice is to just like pause and think it through. Yeah. And if you like the end of that story, when you think it through, then go for it. But if you don't like the end of that story, then you're going to change the path. Of it. What a powerful, powerful thing. A pause, just take a yeah. little beat. Well, Tony, we so appreciate you connecting with us today and just sharing your perspective. And I love this idea of sort of the physical hunger and the emotional hunger and how we can better tune in. I think overall, the goal of this podcast is to offer people different lenses and perspectives for how they can connect better with themselves and better understand what their body needs um, and, and look inward for that self-worth rather than looking outward. And so thank you so much for such a meaningful conversation. Uh, let us know, let our listeners know where they can find you. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I. I'm also on other platforms like Facebook and TikTok, uh, but Instagram is probably the place I hang out the most. And my book you can get on Amazon if interested. It's called Once Upon a Diet and there is an audio version, a paperback and an ebook version. Does and it I come do the audio. Does it come with a glass slipper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I wish it did. That would have been a cute idea. <laughs> well, I will not be squeezing my feet into any shoes that fit anytime soon. So thank you for that, Tony. <laughs> you're thank, so welcome. Thank you so much, Tony. And if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can reach us at podcast at weshape.com. We love your feedback. We love your stories. So don't don't forget to reach out to us. And we will see everyone next week. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.